Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man of the year 2099. That's me, ready to save the universe and looking good while doing it. Welcome to Accelerated Visions with your host, Gil Mancha. This is my chronological discussion of the Spider-Man of the future, Spider-Man 2099. Disclaimer, I will be actively getting and collecting volumes and other collections as we go, and I will only cover issues that I can get physically. I'm going to try to stray away from digital because I love physical media, but the Marvel Unlimited app would be a great way to keep up with the podcast. We'll of course be starting in the 90s with his original self-titled comic. There are a few others, some miniseries, or even some video games which we can discuss. And trust me, I would love to discuss those games down the line. Be sure to hit the follow button on Spotify or preferred platform to get episodes as soon as they drop. That said, let's get back to today's issue, Spider-Man 2099, number 7. Wing and a Prayer. Links will be in the podcast notes. According to Marvel.com, issue 7 was published on May 1st, 1993. Let's take a look back at what else was happening that day in history. Hey, can I call a timeout? The top single in the US is still Informer by Snow, and in the UK, it's Young at Heart by Bluebells. Top of the box office is Indecent Proposal. In technology news, the CD is starting to outpace the regular cassette tape in music sales. It lets you skip between songs almost instantly versus the cassette where you'd have to manually fast forward and rewind. Not to mention the fact that tapes will wear on repeated use and the audio quality will suffer, though I can't speak to the quality of early audio CDs. Looking toward games, you're likely to be playing Wolfenstein 3D on DOS, Super Mario Kart and Star Fox on Super Nintendo, and Tecmo NBA basketball on NES. If TV is more your thing, you're probably watching Dink the Little Dinosaur, Beverly Hills 90210, Larissa Explains It All, and Tasmania. Children are playing with toys like Screwball Scramble, Micro Machines, Lego Pirates, and Pogs. Informer is a great song, but if you want more info on that, check back on episode 6, but the TLDR is good song, not great guy. Young at Heart is a catchy tune, and the standout is definitely the violin. You guys should check it out on the Accelerated Visions radio playlist on Spotify. There we have each of the top songs for your listening convenience and pleasure. Young at Heart was originally made by a British female music trio, Bananarama, in 1983. In 1984, the Scottish pop group The Bluebells reworked it and re-released their version in 93. In 84, it hit number 8 on the UK singles chart, and in 93, it hit number 1 on the UK chart for four weeks following its use in a British TV advert for Volkswagen Golf. Later in 2002, Bobby Valentino, who did the violin solo, won the right to be recognized as a co-author of the song after taking legal action. I think he deserves it because the violin part is really the best part of their version. I remember having a tape player in the family car growing up, then later on having a tape to aux cord adapter in mine, and now in my 2012 car, a CD player built in. I used the CD player for a while, but eventually put a smart Bluetooth receiver into the aux port so I could just listen to my phone. Just like in my use case, CDs have largely fallen out of favor for streaming services like Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, and other ones that you can find that you're probably listening to this podcast on. In more recent times, we've seen the Sony Walkman in the Guardians of the Galaxy series and even the Gran Turismo movie. 
Now it's a prop and maybe even this cool old school way of listening to music where it's a joke to show how out of touch a character is. I even have some more recent cassettes including Toe Jam and Earl, Power Stone, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and Mega Man Legends. They're pretty cool to have but I had to buy this big boombox just to listen to them in a decent way since an actual Walkman, an older Walkman, can be pretty pricey. Tapes are harder to transfer than a digital CD. Pop a CD in a CD tray of your computer and you can copy it to your library. Tapes, at least my method, is to hook up the aux cord from my boombox to my computer as like a mic and then hit play and record. Then you have to do the same on the other side and then you, in post, have to separate the tracks since this will be one large playlist. Alternatively, you could probably find someone else who's already done that or someone who has like the masters or some kind of better quality version. But for now, that's the way I know and have to do it for these specific things. I haven't seen the movie Indecent Proposal. The summary is a billionaire offers one million dollars to a young married couple for one night with the wife. It's currently free if you're subscribed to Paramount Plus, Prime Video, Sling TV, Philo, YouTube Primetime, whatever that is, Roku Channel Premium, and MGM Plus. Now, while it's true I haven't seen the movie, I have seen the season 13 episode of The Simpsons called Half Decent Proposal, where Homer's snoring has somehow become day snoring, but they can't afford the machine. Artie Ziff comes in offering $1 million to spend the weekend with Marge. They accept and they relive their high school prom. Homer sneaks into it and sees the two kissing and goes, Oh no, if they end up together, I'll never be born. But he goes home not knowing that Artie had actually forced the kiss on Marge and left a message saying he's left Springfield with Lenny. They work at an oil field where one day an ant is set on fire and it goes back to the ant hill. Then dozens of ants come out all on fire. They run to the oil and go, ah, then instantly a fire starts, ah, this starts a huge fire. And as the two are about to die, Marge, Ziff, and Carl arrive in a helicopter to save them. At the end of the episode, Homer is using a Ziff branded snoring machine that turns the snoring into Ziff singing an alternate version of Sweet Dreams, which ends with, I am watching you through a camera. Wolfenstein 3D is a DOS computer game that came out to NES, Atari Jaguar, 3DO, and a few others, but most recently, Xbox 360, PS3, and Android. Being dubbed the grandfather of 3D shooters, it might be worth checking out if you have those more current platforms. Super Mario Kart and Star Fox were released on SNES, later to the SNES Classic console, and are currently on the Nintendo Switch Online service. You can play Super Mario Kart with others, and I think both are not required to have the online service in order to play. Star Fox is a 3D rail shooter that's made possible thanks to the Super FX chip in the cart, the inclusion of which made it more expensive to make. As such, only about 8 games use the chip. The Sega equivalent was the Sega Virtual Processor, or SVP, but was only used in one game, Virtual Racer. It was planned for them to use it on Virtual Fighter and Daytona USA, but was cancelled in favor of being a Sega Saturn launch title. Sega was going to sell the SVP as an upgrade module for the Genesis, but was dropped in favor of the more powerful 32X add-on where Virtual Racer was re-released and we got that release of Virtual Fighter. As we discussed last week, Tecmo NBA Basketball wasn't ported to anything, but it had a SNES equivalent called Tecmo Super NBA Basketball, which was later ported to the Sega Genesis. I've never heard of Dink the Dinosaur, but if you search, you can find it on the Internet Archive. There is only 21 episodes and I think they're all there.
Beverly Hills 90210 is free on Hulu, Paramount+, Plus, Pluto TV, Prime Video, and subscriptions on YouTube and the Roku channel. High school drama shows aren't really my thing, but you guessed it, there's an episode of The Simpsons kind of related to this. Waverly Hills 90210. From what I've read, Marge finds out that there's better schools and fearing that their kids' education isn't up to snuff, she enrolls Bart and Lisa to this better school. Lisa gets a B and isn't able to make friends, and yada yada, Elliot Page plays a Hannah Montana parody. The kids later on go back and, you know, status quo. During the Waverly Hills montage, at the end credits, there's a reworded version of Weezer's Beverly Hills song. Larissa Explains It All is available on Paramount+, Plus, Prime Video, YouTube, and the Roku channel via subscription. It's an absolutely 90s show where a teen girl named Clarissa explains to the viewer motivations behind people's actions. I like the theme song, but most of the lyrics are na 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 all right all right it's very simple and one line after na na was way cool but at least there was one just do it it's very catchy but not complex at all Tasmania can be found on boomerang sling tv and prime video the summary is the daily satirical adventures of the Looney Tunes star, the Tasmanian Devil, along with his extended family, friends, and enemies of the island of Tasmania. I don't remember anything about it, but I feel like I have seen it. Taz is voiced by Jim Cummings, who's better known for the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Screwball Scramble looks like he pressed buttons to get a marble to its destination. Micro Machines are a different brand of Hot Wheels type of toys. Lego Pirates seems to be exactly what it sounds like, and Pogs are flat cardboard circles that you stack and slam a heavier object on to disrupt the caps. It's where the Twitch emote PogChamp comes from when Gutex wins a game, and the icon used to be his face before it was changed sometime, I think, in 2022 or 23. If you're familiar with any of these things in history, let me know. On the Spotify app, at least, you have a Q&A section where you can reply to my question of what do you think of this issue? While you're there, I have a poll too. What other Marvel hero would you like to see covered like we do Spider-Man 2099? The choices are The Incredible Hulk, Howard the Duck, Venom, and Iron Man. You can pick as many as you want, and I'd love to see what people think. You can do it there, social media, or even the YouTube VOD for this episode. That's a taste of what the world was like when Spider-Man 2099 number 7 was published. Let's start at the beginning one last time. I'm reading this from the new Spider-Man 2099 Omnibus Volume 1. The comic was written by Peter David, penciled by Rick Leonardi, inker Al Williamson, colorist Noel Giddens, letterer Rick Parker, and editors Joey Cavalieri and Sarah Massif. The top reads, A fearsome new foe fights Spider-Man 2099. And at bottom it reads, Vulture 2099. The cover shows Vulture 2099 flying towards Spider-Man, who's got a line of web he's swinging by. Vulture's the aggressor here, and in the background we see rooftops of the city, so we know that they're pretty high up. Let's check out the About This Issue section on the Marvel Unlimited app for this issue. Spider-Man continues to have a turf battle with an impressive incarnation of the Vulture, and Vulture 2099 may have some surprising tech up his wing. Miguel may have to rely on his past as an engineer to outwit this tech-savvy foe. There isn't any indication that these two were going to fight right away, so it's a little bit of a spoiler to say that they're having a turf battle specifically. I mean, yeah, they were probably going to fight, but I don't think you could really guess it's a turf battle per se. The next sign is great news for me. I was wondering how high tech this new vulture was going to be because at the end of the issue, it didn't really look like he was. It's neat that Miguel will win this due to his wit and knowledge rather than superpowers. And I'm sure it'll actually be a combination of the two, but that makes more sense. After the break, we'll summarize the issue. 
understand. Why aren't Anti-Venom's powers draining his- Because mine aren't radiation-based, if you have to know. Didn't know, don't care. What it do guys, Mantra here, and if you like board games, especially deck building games, you should check out at team underscore thunder on YouTube. There we have unboxings and games of Legendary, a Marvel deck building game, the DC deck building game, the Transformers deck building game, and many more. There you can also find VODs for this and water damage in Aquaman podcast where you can directly leave a comment and we can discuss the issues. Ah, that was a good warm up. So when do we get a real challenge? We start the issue with a full page of puzzle piece shaped panels piled on top of each other showing what's been going on and how Miguel feels. Feel weird. What's going on? It's windy. Feel like I'm, am I falling? What's, what's happening? can't put it together. Go to the next page and we have a two-page spread of the pieces from the last page. We see Casey on a stolen public eye hover bike that she's taken in the previous issue, chasing and blasting Vulture 2099, who's holding on to Spider-Man 2099. S-Man is still out of it, but starting to come too. Vulture tells him not to mind and he's got things firmly under control. A young woman with no comprehension of her own mortality is following. That's all. Trying to be a heroine. She answers this. Let him down, Vulture, or I swear I'll pin your tail feathers back. Casey lunges forward with her bike, shooting at Vulture. I'm not screwing around here, Snidely. Put the S-Men down safe and sound, and we'll forget this ever happened. It's a little hard to tell, but there's a shot that goes past his wing, which isn't making him happy. I promise, I'll forget this happened, because you're as forgettable as your shooting is lousy. That was a pretty good burn, actually. He pulls a lever in his glove, three talons come out. Now on the offensive, Vulture starts flying toward her. Stupid twist. You think you can match flying skills with me? The sky is my second home. On the outside, she's bold. What's your first home? The nut house? But on the inside, she's thinking, oh, I'm dead. As he closes in, she says, last warning, Vulture. He winds back a claw. S-Man finally comes too. No! As Vulture swings, S-Man grabs his arm so the claw doesn't hurt her, but unfortunately, threads the leg of her bike. Enraged, Vulture lifts him up. I wasn't going to hurt her, you idiot. Just kill her. But you made me hack off one of their stabilizers. Now she's going to be killed and hurt. The bike's plunging downward. Now you listen to me, you little pissant. Up here, I'm in charge. And you're, he backhands his head. Oof, not. Casey crash lands, but tucks and rolls. She's fine, but Vulture gets away with S-Man. Ugh, clucking bell. Shifting gears, we're now at Miguel's apartment, and Lila is welcoming Dana. She's looking for Miguel, who hasn't been answering her calls. Lila calmly tells her such aggressive knocking wasn't necessary since she's been approved for entry, understanding programming. She responds to the AI waifu, saying, Nice to know I still fit into Miguel's life somewhere. She asks what's going on, Lila repeats Miguel's command that a horrible man in black just went through there. It's the hole in the window S-Man himself had jumped. Dana asks where Miguel is. Alchemex, which Dana knows, he hates Alchemex, so it's odd for him to go there. Lila tells her, the elevator is the fastest way down. Although if safety is not a concern, you could jump through the window. Dana cuts her off, thanking her and leaving. As she's left, Lila continues her sentence like Miguel did. Oh, goodbye, Dana. Shift another gear back downtown where Gabe is driving his hover car, but on wheels since the hover part doesn't work in that area of town. He's thinking about how crazy it is that he's driving in that area. A few times he had, but Casey was there with him and she knew the ropes. There's no way he'd be there if it weren't for... Suddenly there's a gun up to his head. Don't move. Another voice tells him, get out of the car. 
ever the smarty pants which uh which is it i mean i can't get out of the car without you know moving he looks at the three guys one sort of looks like loki one like a viking but with guns aren't you aren't you gonna tell me about thor is coming or something the one with bear hide on his head says i got your thor right here pointing his gun the loki one says we're the fenrirs we're the devourers and we like your car next panel the bear guy points his gun at gabe but we don't like you. Seeing no other option, Gabe floors it. Vroom! The bear exclaims and shoots. Hey, poke! Loki hits the car since he'd been standing in front of it. Ugh! A bullet goes through his windshield. Here's where we get my quote of the issue. Son of a... Computer, this laboratory has been compromised. Initiate self-destruct sequence. Ten seconds. Ten seconds? That's barely enough time to come up with a clever explosion-related quip. Ooh, that must really burn you up. So long, Spider-Man. It's been a blast. Oh, she's good. Gabe thinks, this is crazy, 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 crazy. Loki tells him to stop his car, and he points his gun at him, so he does. Screech! Ack! Loki falls off, but his gun lands in his car. Gabe's reveling in his victory. I did it! I did it! I got his gun. Oh, Gabe. Ah, oh, you're amazing. You're... Then he realizes he never used a gun before and thinks against keeping it near him so it doesn't hurt him or anyone else. Looking around the area, people and cars makes him think otherwise, picking up the gun. What a scene. Gabe's clearly out of his element, and his move here could have easily ended with him finding his own anti-life equation. It didn't, thankfully, and now he's well-armed and ready for the surprises in store for him in downtown. Back to S-Man. He wakes up in a dark room. He can smell... Something, but he's not sure what. He stands up and isn't sure what's going on. He's feeling better though, ribs don't hurt. He's breathing clearly and, most importantly, he can see in the darkness. He climbs up the wall and ceiling and says he needs to get his way out and back home. All of a sudden, a small hole at the bottom of the door, someone asks if he's awake. Time for chow. The guy says with a gun over his shoulder and a third robotic arm holding a food tray. I hear you moving on in there, fellow. Don't try anything funny. I assure you I'm prepared for any contingent. As he's sliding the food through the bottom of the hole, S-Man tackles the door down. Brunk! And the three-armed man with it. He makes it back to the ceiling and crawls away. He looks out the corner and he hears someone. Ah. Turn the page and a vulture squatting on a pile of garbage eating from a bowl stained with blood. Most of the trash is nondescript, but there's a clock of some sort with some Roman numerals, which in 2099 must really be an antique. The S-Man himself. How nice to see you up and about. Please, come in. S-Man jumps to the floor, ready to fight. No need to have your fists all clenched. You're among friends. You're among the freakers. Now we see there's other people around, notably one with a public eye hat. Must be a story there. S-Man, ever confused. I feel like I've asked this question a thousand times recently, but what is this place? I've lived in New York for years and never... From off-screen, Vulture remarks, Ah, so this is your first time downtown. Vulture goes on to explain what downtown really is. It's the bottom of the corporate ladder, so to speak. The poor, the needy, the degenerate, those with menial or dead-end jobs, or simply jobless. He tells us, man, our populace is the dregs, the surplus population Dickens wrote of. Once, this was prime real estate, but New York couldn't expand outward, so it expanded upward, leaving far behind the underbelly of society. Vulture stands up. For mutual protection, many citizens joined cliques. He's the leader of the largest clique, the Freakers. There's also the throwbacks, scarves, rumps, 
Thorites, too. Each has its own priority, sense of purpose and territory. S-Men calls it insane. You all work together! Vulture cuts him off. How quaintly, dangerously corporate of you. People with opposing views working together? Now that's insanity. He explains how people with opposing views battle for supremacy. That's the natural order. The strong can and do devour the weak. He asks S-Man, which of the Indies made him? If that confuses you, don't feel bad because S-Man asks, Indies, what are you talking about? Vulture raises his arm and spreads his wings. Don't play games with me. No one is that ignorant of the world they live in. Calming down a bit. Don't you know what's going on out there? The Indies, the floating cities, the Mutroids. No, no. Obviously, the same people made you as made me. And you broke away from them, just as I did. Okay, look, just for argument's sake, let's say I know everything you just mentioned. So, what do you want from me? S-Man asks. Not sure why he's there. Vulture tells him, what else could I want except the skies? I'm not sure how S-Man's quote relates to that, but alright. Got to a man returning to his apartment. It's Estevez, who'd gotten fired in a previous issue. Estevez is talking to himself, saying, you can't just toss me aside like that. I'll file a grievance. That's it. He starts blaming Spider-Man, but when the door opens, he sees a barren apartment. My stuff, where's all my stuff? An old man hologram, presumably AI, just like Lila, delivers a message that he's been terminated as part of his severance pay. All of his stuff has been repossessed. Additionally, the utility company owned by Alchemex had all of his utilities disconnected. He's being kicked out of his apartment in 24 hours, and if he's still there, he'll be arrested for trespassing. Estevez stomps, crunch, on a small device that had created the hologram to stop it. If Spider-Man weren't already dead, I'd kill him. Clearly out of the loop. Back to S-Man, he rightfully asks for clarification on his The Skies quote. Vulture tells him, Alchemex has taken over the skies. The flyboys are everywhere. Their buildings constructed upon the remnants of downtown tower miles high. I came here seeking safety, but have sacrificed freedom. Where do you think you're going? Spider-Man had tried slowly walking backwards to leave the area. He stops because the three-armed man is behind him with a gun to S-Men's back, holding a second gun with his real arm with just the robot arm at his hip. That's better. Thank you, Sergeant-at-Arms. I want to bring Alchemex crashing down, Spider-Man. He continues, I want the skies to be mine, to fly free. You can and will help in this. Otherwise, you might find the alternative unappetizing. Just as those fellows did. He points to the pile of skulls and bones. Aw, oh, you, you can't be serious. That, that stuff you've been eating, that's, that's not... S-Man slowly realizing the gravity of the situation he's in. Oh, come on now, Spider-Man. Didn't you ever heard of finger foods? At this point, you finally see bones in the bowl. Next page, and we see Spider-Man wincing in anger as Vulture laughs. Ha 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 ha. You demented creep! S-Man punches Vulture. Arg! He jumps at Vulture, punching him more. Oof! You sick, perverted, cannibalistic monster! Now having taken a sinister tone, Vulture tells him, We are what we make of ourselves, S-Man. Now, if I were you, what I'd make myself is scarce. He looks toward the three-armed man. Sergeant, all yours. He's already got his firearms pointed at Spider-Man, but... Now he opens fire, leading him to jump out of the window to get away. Get him. Get him back in here now. More on that later, because now we get a scene of Tyler Stone on a speedboat having a conversation with the Hikarasan of Stark Fujikawa. 
we see the video feed of Hikaru just in the sky with no explanation of how. Stone tells Hikaru how he was clear why he needed Vulture to bring in Casey Nash, but how were they to know Spider-Man would get involved? Hikaru-san agreed, but called it a startling coincidence. He remarked how he had his public eye could have brought her in instead, but denied the services of Stark Fujikawa. Turns out he himself had approved a loan out of curiosity, but then a Spider-Man comes along. He questions Stone's motives, to which Stone tells him his motives was to get the best help available. Hikaru-san rightly theorizes how they'd have difficulties with Spider-Man, and either they'd be able to take him off of Stone's hands, or he would take Stark Fujikawa off of Stone's hands. It's a win-win for Alchemex, it seems. Sarcastically, Stone says he's insulted, and Hikaru says, Oh really? How insulted? He doesn't let him answer and tells Stone that, whether they like it or not, Stark Fujikawa is in this because if Spider-Man resurfaces, they'll feel obliged to avenge their transgressions against them. That said, they won't forget this bit of maneuvering. Stone calls this very amusing, not that insulted. Hikaru-san, I won't fall into that trap. We see his assistant, Winston, walking on the water towards him. Stone tells him to drop dead, and Stone tells him to drop dead, and that disturbances better be about Spider-Man, as he didn't want to be disturbed. Winston tells him there's a young woman there to see him. Stone says, it's not Igna, is it? Her normal day is Thursday. Winston reveals it's Dana, Miguel's fiance. Ah, by all means, send her in. A little later, and Stone welcomes her to the room, which turns out was a hologram room for Stone to chill out in. Dana is pretty blunt, telling him what he had done to Miguel is terrible. Walking towards her, he agrees. He reveals that he had apologized to Miguel, and he's been working for Alchemex again. And she says he wasn't there at work. Stone talks it off, saying Miguel's always been hard to rein in. They've learned that when he has a problem, he'll disappear for days, but when he returns, it'll be resolved. He ends the scene with his arm around her shoulder, saying they could help each other. I'm personally worried for her. Meanwhile, back in downtown, S-Man is falling through the ceiling. Phew! The stench in this place is... He looks around, seeing carcasses all chained up on hooks. Uh, uh, oh no! Out of nowhere. Oh yes! Isn't this lucky? Here, I wanted a light bite before I proceed to the task of hunting you down. But here you are in my meat locker. Lunch on a hoof. Vulture says with a wicked smile and crazed look. S-Man pinches his nose through his mask and shoves a hooked meat chunk at Vulture. Vulture apologizes for the lack of refrigeration, but he thinks the cold air ruins the taste. S-Man quickly starts crawling to get out of there before he throws up in his mask and chokes to death. He gets to an elevator whose claustrophobic nature will hinder Vulture's maneuverability. Looking up at the elevator, it looks like a current day one in the 90s, but in 2099, it must have looked like something from the Stone Age. He starts climbing up and he hears Vulture near. Spider-Man! You know, we're not so far off, philosophically, I mean. He explains how as a corporate-minded person, he should understand that the larger company devours the smaller ones. Big fish eats the little fish. While he talks, S-Man gets to the top of the elevator. Vulture continues, everyone fights for their piece of the pie. All to benefit who? That's right, me, the consumer. S-Man retorts, consume this, jerkweed. He cuts the cables of the elevator. Huh? It falls and explodes as it hits the bottom, hitting Vulture. 
Ah! S-Man sees a skylight, but before he can make his move, Vulture flies at him. All right, meat. I'm sick of playing games with you. The two of them are flown out the skylight into the air, but S-Man is able to punch him. Vulture ends this part of the story to say, If you don't want to be my main man, then you'll be my main course. Before we end things, let's go back to Gabe driving around downtown. He's thinking about how he thinks he's at Casey's place, but he's not sure. He's anxious, thinking about the longer he waits out there, the more likely he'll be jumped is. A hand grabs him by the shoulder and says, boo. While turning around, he immediately shoots. Blam. In the last panel, it turns out it's Casey he just shot. That's where the issue ends. Next, question mark. After the break, we'll go over some thoughts and feelings about the issue. Reality is coming apart at the seams. And now I see why. The two gateways created a link between our times. Together. Across the expanse of time. We must defeat our enemies. And defy death itself. On the bright side, S-Man is all healed up and he can have a pretty fair fight with Vulture. Since he was also created, that means he's probably more than just wings and mechanical claws. He's probably got some level of super strength and speed. I doubt it's enough to beat a Spider-Man who's healthy though. It'll be a close one, but it'll probably have to end with Spider-Man having to destroy him to stop Vulture. This new Vulture is just a monster eating human flesh. Though if Spider-Man can break a wing, I don't think he'll really be much of a problem. In fact, I can see Spider-Man using Vulture's claw as his own undoing. Props to Stark Fujikawa for seeing through Stone's intentions, even though they can't do anything in opposition as of now. We think you're playing us, and for now, we'll play. At some point, there may be a full-on war between the two companies, but for this moment, what can you do? While I was reading the Dana side story, where she went to Alchemix to talk to Tyler Stone, I was like, no, just get out of there. You already know he's a bad guy. Why would you go to his office? You already know he's willing to drug someone. Who's to say he won't give her a drink? Maybe celebratory wine or even water laced with rapture and just get her hooked. Miguel doesn't have a copy of her DNA, so he can't just write over at old safe state like he did on himself. Otherwise, going off the theory that he knows or even thinks that Miguel might be Spider-Man, Tyler Stone will hold her hostage to draw him out. Maybe in exchange for a scan of his DNA or a vial of his blood. Miguel won't have a choice and be forced to work in Alchemex's best interest. Or maybe Stone will suck Spider-Man on someone else. I feel for Gabe being in this weird, scary situation and just trying his best. That scene with the Fenrirs could have easily been the end of the road for him, but some quick, if reckless, thinking got him out of there. Unfortunately, it seems like at the end of the issue, he may have shot Casey, who was playfully trying to startle him. She didn't know he was that much on edge and had a gun. She's not super powered in the least, though being shot will probably kill her. In fact, I'd rather her be gone than her to have landed on a spot that just happened to have dark liquid on it, or this to be some kind of trick. That's lame, and I don't like it just to have a cliffhanger at the end. There's a lot left in the omnibus, so even though it doesn't tell us what the next story is called, I already know that there's a lot more. Though a funny way to get out of it is to say that the gun he got off the Loki guy was never a real or lethal gun. Maybe they were just high-tech illusions to make it more like Loki, and Gabe had done more to them than they had ever planned to do to Gabe. Just scare him off, all. 
Though the bullet did go through his windshield, so that idea is already dead in the water. Now that I think of it, it'd be cool to see a trickster character that uses high-level tech. Because in the future, to do the things Loki would do, I guess you would just need to make him like a Mysterio. Maybe less theatric. Kind of like a brain versus brawn situation where normally the readers would go for the brains, but where the brain is the bad guy and the brawn is Spider-Man. Kind of like a Lex Luthor Superman thing. What do you think? Did you read the comic? Did I get something wrong? If I do and you guys let me know, I'll include a corrections section in the next episode and I'll credit the user. Let's continue the discussion on social media and the YouTube VOD. You can find me at Thunder on Twitter and at Team underscore Thunder on YouTube. If you're looking for another podcast to listen to and want to learn more about Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas, check out Water Damage, an Aquaman podcast on Spotify and anywhere you can find podcasts. Be sure to follow that and this podcast to get episodes as soon as they drop. Manjame out. I've had it with this jabbering freak.